Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Good morning, everybody. And this is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. And hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, today we're going to give you scriptural strategies. Come on. And some motivation to help you get out there and get some stuff done for Jesus, friends. Hallelujah. There's no better person to be working with. And I'm telling you, I'm thankful today. Thank you for joining us. And whether you're watching us live or in the archives, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Let's see here. Today is the 29th. This is our last podcast of 2022. Hallelujah. It's been a great year, friends. And we're totally geared up and excited about 2023. In fact, we've got lots of plans to expand a little bit what we're doing here on in the, in the studio. And it's going to be a good year. So um, I just ask that you participate with us. Join us again for another journey in 2022. 23. Hallelujah. All right. Hey, well, let's jump into the podcast today. I want to pick up on the thought um, that I kind of introduced last week. And uh, I think I titled it, um, Here Comes the Creep. And that's taken from a particular passage in the book of Jude. And we'll look at that in just a minute. But I want to pick up on that and go a little bit further. And uh, because occasionally we need to make sure that we're not getting off course. Um, we're not veering off course, you know, something that would be phrased maybe like doctrinal drift, uh, drifting. What is drifting? Well, um, you know, just, just slightly altering, you know, getting off course a little bit. The problem with getting off course, um, is not that you can't self-correct that happens. You know, I mean, we've got a, a thought over here. We check in the scriptures. We, we don't find it. We can't substantiate it. Uh, we don't build upon it then. You know what I mean? Um, some new idea, new concept. Um, you know, in some senses, uh, it would be okay, I, I suppose, to track an idea, but we would only track it as far as we could substantiate it scripturally. Maybe we just put it over here. Uh, I wouldn't build on it. I wouldn't make any sudden moves as it concerns it. I wouldn't suddenly change everything based on this new idea, but I, I would check, I would check it out. Now, uh, Sometimes we just kind of drift here. This thought takes us there. That thought takes us there. And then when we realize, hey, look, this is not right, then we adjust. Okay, so if we're drifting, we can self-correct. How would we self-correct? Well, we have the Word. We have the Holy Spirit. And we have some trusted counsel in our life. Whose counsel, by the way, is built upon the Word and the Spirit. And so, you know, occasionally we just check. You know, um, like I said, you may be, uh, you may find out that you have drifted slightly. Well, hey, if the love of the word means anything to you, you'll self-correct. You'll have the Holy Spirit helping you. You'll have the word speaking to you. There will be something hidden in your heart that you're not going to sin against God, and you're going to recognize that. You're going to honor that, and you're going to self-correct. Uh, but I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this drift and the Bible. Uh, I was going to, and I didn't, maybe, you know, if we do a part three, I'll maybe do that. But I was going to count how many references in the New Testament al alone deal with being aware 
of false, like the false teachers, false prophets, false doctrine, and uh, people that come in, you know, uh, wanting to, you know, tempt you or lead you astray. I was going to count how many references there are, maybe how many verses that speak to that issue alone. I didn't do that, but I can tell you this, that there are several. I, I, I mean, there are many. There's enough to where you would go, hey, you know what, this is, you know, this is an important topic that's being discussed here. And it's not to become suspicious. It's just to make sure that you and I are not drifting off course or being led astray unknowingly. Even myself, I have to check myself. I have to check myself against the word. You know, uh, we listen to a lot of teaching. We listen to a lot of teachers, you know, um, from podcasts to like YouTube videos, things that are on social media. There's a lot of good ideas, you know. That's how error creeps in. You know, a little bit of sugar, you know, helps the garbage go down, you know. I don't think that's the uh, Mary Poppins song, but uh, any false idea, concept, or whatever utilizes a little bit of truth. That's usually the, uh, that's the abate, right? It's a little bit of truth. But what's mixed in there is error. And, uh, you know, this saying of eat the hay, spit out the sticks, that's, that's just practice. That's good habit. It's good form. We're just aware. We're not suspicious. Um, but we just make sure that we are double-checking everything on the Word. We're not suddenly making changes. We're not drastically altering the course of our life based on some random new guru, new prophet, new this. Listen, there's a thousand prophetic resources out there. And in some senses, I don't want to sound negative here, but I do need to say this in some senses, okay. In some respects, there's kind of an, a market for that prophetic stuff. And you know, the new stuff sells, right? People have this craving for the latest, latest, greatest. Well, that stuff sells and algorithms are designed even to keep that stuff in front of you. You know, once, once say Facebook or YouTube or whoever, uh, finds out that you like this kind of content, they're going to keep feeding it to you. Listen, just because it's new and, uh, you know, has all this, you know, eye candy, you know, the thumbnail is catchy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all a part of the science behind marketing that I'm not saying it's intentional, but sometimes plays tricks against your own emotions doesn't mean you need to be partaking of it. If you do partake of that stuff regularly, you need to double up on your word intake. If, if you're in that prophetic stuff, you need to triple up on your word intake. It, that's just good form. It's just good practice. It's not, it doesn't mean you're suspicious. It just means that you are well-grounded. You're a balanced person. You're a wise person. Uh, and an unwise person would just hear all this kind of stuff. You know, if you're driving down the road, and you get your hand on the steering wheel, you know, maybe 10 and 2, okay? And you just turn your attention over here. And if you don't keep checking back on the road, right? If you don't keep bringing your eyes back and making sure that you're centered up on the road, in your lane. But if you just let your attention just go over here, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start to drift. You're going to start to go the way you're looking. Now, again, without being suspicious, without being paranoid, I'm just saying that the whole industry is built upon how to capture your attention. And ultimately, you know, in the mechanics of it all, 
they're not doing as much filtering of the sticks. That's primarily going to be your responsibility. You know, even in the food industry, there's a certain amount of trash, roaches, grind, uh, you know, ground up mice that can get in the food and they deem, you know, here's, here's the overall, you know, output, you know, 2% or whatever, a little bit of, you know, mushed up mice that fell in the machine, you know, is okay. Well, in the same sense, that's what happens over, over here. Okay, all this content, all this material, you know what? The overall is pretty doctrinally safe. Yeah, you know, that 8% of that false in there is probably not, you know, is not that big of a deal as compared to the whole. So the bulk of the proper discerning is going to be on you. So this is why I'm saying you got to check in with the word, friends. We're not saying everybody out there is just trying to trip you up, but just a just the machine of, of it all, there's going to get some weird stuff mixed in because all this new, right? It's new. It's sudden. It's, 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 it's hype. It's this, it's, it's chaos. It's conspiracy. It sells. It's big money, big, big money. And people just lust over that stuff because I don't know, maybe their routine of life to them is boring. Just sticking with the word is boring. Well, I don't know, man, your quest quest for entertainment could get you choked up on something. So we want to be aware of the creep. We want to be aware of the drift. We want to make sure that we're checking in and we're not taking something in, spiritually speaking, um, that's going to cause us uh, you know, harm or make us sick. All right, 1 John 5, 7. And it says this, There are three witnesses in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three witnesses on the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree, or they're in unison, or their testimony coincides. Listen, this passage of scripture is, uh, uh, what is that? Yeah, that's 1 John 5. So all of those chapters in 1 John, they deal, you know, if you look at it from a 30,000 foot view, he's really dealing with how to keep yourself safe or protected from the false that's been injected or has gone out into the world. In chapter two, he deals with lowercase antichrist. He's talking about, you know, in chapter three, chapter four, testing the spirits, knowing that the world loves a particular message and they're going to ultimately hate the true gospel. And so there's this warning throughout saying, hey, look, this is just a reality, not to be paranoid, not to be suspicious, but to be aware of what you're dealing with out here. You are not being taken out of the world. Jesus said that's a prayer he's not in agreement with. You know, people moan and groan and complain, God, just get me out of here. No, no, no. He's saying grow up, toughen up, but but build your life upon a sure rock. And then when you have to navigate this craziness, you're not going to be shaken. Listen, we have to face this stuff. We have to deal with this stuff head on. And we don't need to make it something that it's not, you know, it's just a reality of our born again walk. There is an enemy out there. His primary objective is deception, uh, cunningly devised fables. Peter says, this is, this is what our enemy does. And he's going to try and trip you up and he's going to try and fashion something, a twist, something that looks right, 
but ultimately it's wrong. You say, well, how in the world are we going to know? You've got the Holy Ghost and you have the word. We have everything we need to build our life upon the sure rock if we don't get bored with staying with the word, if we don't get um, upset with the sacrificial life that we are to embrace. I asked this question. I said, Lord, what is it? Like, what is the primary, uh, what's the hook that, you know, uh, was kind of catalytic in all this false whatever, false apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, whatever, all the false, the teachings, the whatever. And I believe that the Lord drew my attention to 1 John chapter 2. Let's go ahead and turn there, 1 John chapter 2. And I think this is probably... You know, if we could boil it down very generic, here's what lures men and women off into error. He says right here in First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. But the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit drew my attention to that. It may not be the end all to that question, but it gave some light. It, 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 it brought some clarity to me of the drift. And we have to embrace this fact that we're not of this world. Like, uh, we have to monitor that we're not lusting after everything in this world. You know, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is actually a real wise book. I mean, a lot of uh, moderns today disdain the book of Ecclesiastes, and they say, oh, it's really negative. Actually, this guy uh, really boiled a lot of things down, you know, uh, to where a lot of things are vanity. He'd seen everything, tasted everything, drank everything, did everything, had everything, went everywhere, and he realized, you know what? This world, just, just like John says here, this world is fading away. But if you uh, start lusting after all the things that this world has to offer, I'm telling you, friend, that could be a bait, and there's going to be a hook in there that could get you led astray. I believe that the Holy Spirit was revealing to John here, this is at least one of the catalysts that has led every false whatever into the error that they're in now. They cared too much about the world. They cared too much about the stuff in the world. And, uh, you know, all these conspiracies, global this, global that, warm this, whatever, environmentalist this, listen, all that stuff is like worshiping this creation. They are turning their attention away from the creator and worshiping the creation. All these weird animal people and stuff, oh, anything that has gone off into perversion or weirdness is because we started to love the things in the world more than the creator of it. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's a bait. I don't know if I'll get to it, but several times uh, throughout the scriptures where there's this admonishment about false teachers, apostles, whatever, there's usually somewhere around there this thought that's thrown in. And I'm thinking of this particular one in, in uh, Acts, and we may actually look at this one here shortly, but I'm going to mention it now. In Acts chapter 20, where Paul is writing, he's warning about wolves, he makes this interest, he draws our attention to this very interesting um, phrase, and it's in verse 33. And he basically says this. He says, don't forget that when I was with you, 
I didn't covet your stuff, your money, your things, your fame, uh, you know, your, your, your societal statuses or whatever. He said, notice when I was with you, I didn't covet those things. And it was kind of like this thought thrown in there seemingly out of nowhere, but he was connecting it with, um, uh, wolves, ravenous people, people that come in. Listen, he said, this is an earmark that something's not right when there's this lust for stuff, especially in the name of the Lord. And he said, notice when I was with you, I didn't make it about that kind of stuff. Now, the the point of me bringing that up is not to argue whether or not Paul was prosperous or he was poor or whatever. I don't believe that the Bible substantiates vows of poverty but what it does say this is do not covet the things in the world. Listen, God will provide for you. He doesn't have a problem, in my opinion, scripturally, from what I understand. He doesn't have a problem with you being prosperous. He has a problem with you coveting things. He has a problem, obviously, from First John, with the lust of the things of the world becoming something in your heart that it's not supposed to be. You know, ultimately, we live a fasted lifestyle. We don't we don't partake of everything that we want to. It's a sacrificial position that we take, and here's why. Because all this stuff is fading away. My phone's blowing up on me here. Hey, listen, people, I do a podcast on Thursdays. Don't call me. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's saying, look, remember this. All this stuff is passing away. You can't take this stuff with you. Don't make the stuff more than what it's supposed to be. People uh, get so like, uh, it's lust. They lust after stuff and it gets them into error. And Paul said this, here's one of the earmarks. It may not be the soul, but it's, it is at least a test that can be um, given to find out where someone is. And if they come in the name of the Lord and they're more about your stuff, the things, then we need to say, hey, look, where have they drifted from the intention or the whole purpose behind the ministry that God has appointed them to? Ultimately, it's the gospel of salvation because all this stuff is passing away. So remember that. That is a uh, significant uh, marker that needs to be observed. All right, now let's go back to this here. So the word and the spirit, they agree. They, their testimony coincides. Nothing the word says will contradict the spirit. Nothing the spirit of God says will contradict the word. This is another reason why we stay with the word. We stay with the spirit. Holy spirit is taking, uh, we found this out, John 14, 15. He's taking what is Jesus's, and he is revealing it to us. But whatever he says, it's not going to contradict the word. We got to know that. People are drifting because they're having spiritual experiences, but they can't substantiate it with the scripture. Now, I'm not saying there's chapter and verse for absolutely everything. I'm not saying that because that's just, that's just, that's not accurate. But there will be principally, there will be something in the word that will substantiate uh, whatever spiritual encounter or message or intuition or voice or leading or whatever you think or an, 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 an angel, some sort of being appears to you. In fact, we even were told even if an angel brings to you a different message that contradicts the one you received, 
uh, let that angel be accursed. Listen, people are having dramatic, real, real. I, I mean, I believe the story. People are having dramatic encounters with beings. Uh, uh, we would say like otherworldly beings. They're spirit beings. They're either angels or they're demons, but they can take on uh, demons and particularly can take on different forms, different shapes. And people are having encounters with them and coming back with, and I say this loosely, but profound messages. Um, James talks about wisdom. There is a wisdom that is demonic. People are having encounters and, and coming back with wisdom. Um, but we, but how do we weigh, like, where did this originate from? You know, uh, we have to test these things. People are having these experiences, and I'm even talking about, like, quote-unquote, Bible-believing people. They're having these experiences and coming back, but yet the experience contradicts what's written, and they're drifting. They're creeping off course. Something crept in. In and the whole intention was to de deceive them off into error. We have to be aware. Uh, you know, I'm thinking back during the, uh, uh, like um, starting in maybe like 2019 and maybe a little bit before that, but at least in 2019 into 20, 2021, those years right there, whoa. I, you know, I mean, wow, what an interesting uh, what an interesting lesson. Uh, you know, I think it was in 2020, I, uh, ministered on the spirit of Python because there was this false prophecy that had got into the church, even in our own church. Uh, it didn't come from the pulpit. What, what I'm saying was I was hearing th these, uh, things floating around uh, through various people, uh, even in our own church, but, uh, uh, in other circles that I'm, associated with, you know, and other groups and, you know, and then on social media, of course, and YouTube and whatnot, you know, there was these, um, these ideas, these concepts, uh, even these particular people that were being promoted, uh, you know, as, as having information that was important to us. Well, and there was one particular gentleman that uh, became known, uh, all right, and his name was being thrown around, you know, you were hearing a, a lot of, of about him on social media and, you know, people were saying, hey, this this guy, he has uh, information, you know, or he has intel. And one particular person said, he's, he's prophetic. Well, I don't know, man. It just didn't set with me from the beginning. And like I would norm normally do, I started doing some, re some research and uh, came across several interviews that, that this guy did, about three hours worth of interviews that this guy did. And I was like, oh, I get it now. I mean, I totally understand. And let me give you just a little bit. Uh, this guy had been having encounters with aliens since he was six years old. Now, here's what I think about aliens. Aliens are demons. There is no created being that looks like your traditional green or gray guy. These are demons that shape shift, you know, if you want to call it that. They can take upon a form. They can look like certain things. If you've ever... Uh, read after anybody that's been in the occult or in Satanism and they've come out, they'll tell you all kinds of stories of, of shape-shifting uh, beings that could shape-shift, would change their appearance right before their very eyes. These are spiritual realities uh, some people are unfamiliar with. But So this guy, since he 
was six years old. Now, this guy's way up into his, his, yeah, I would estimate him to be at least his late 50s, if not his early 60s now. He's got a very, I say popular, he's got a very popular YouTube channel. And, uh, but he was, quote unquote, giving this intel. And I'm telling you, the, the church, I'm talking about the broader church here, uh, was just eating this stuff up. And I'm telling you, something didn't set with me. And I was thinking, this is like the spirit of Python. I mean, it's like prophecy, but it's not godly. There is definitely a spirit behind this, but it's not pure. This, this is not pure prophetic word from the spirit of the Lord. Well, this guy had all this intel about America. Well, in this interview, he began to relay this story about how he was introduced you know, to this particular alien race whose sole assignment was to watch over the United States, and he was getting particular intel from these aliens. Listen, these are demons, by the way, friends. Okay, these are demons. But the the point I'm trying to make is this is a real person that was having spiritual experiences that was getting actual information of sorts and then broadcasting it on a very large scale. And even church people were eating this stuff up and wondering if they should make adjustments in their life based on this intel. Now, you may say, wow, this is such a wild story. I would never. Friends, listen, Uh, this stuff is so crafty. It is so cunningly devised. If you don't know the word, if you don't have a relationship with the spirit of the Lord, if you're unable to differentiate between just soulish and spirit, like your spirit, then you'll join the tens of thousands of people that are choking every day, making wrong decisions because they're choking on sticks that they were supposed to spit out. This is the creep that I'm talking about. It's not to cause us to get paranoid. It's not to cause us to, you know, never go outside again. You should not become depressed from this reality because the Bible already told you and then already said, hey, look, the Spirit of the Lord through the written word is saying, I'm going to help you navigate this. This is a reality you have to navigate. And rather than getting all bent out of shape about it, you just have to learn the characteristics of what is that creep. And this is the intention of our podcast today. We stay with the word. Listen, even interpreting the Bible, we would follow a harmony of scripture or a fellowship of thought and continuity. I read this article the other day by, um, I would just summarize this guy as like a thought leader within a particular kind of like, I don't know if they call themselves a denomination, but you know, they are a theological framework. And uh, the framework is partial preterism partial preterism. I think it's praetorism, actually. Praetor means past, and so they derive their theology because uh, they would say that the majority of prophetic passages, like in particularly Matthew 24, uh, all the major prophetic uh, uh, passages in the New Testament that you and I would consider future, they say have already happened, so they deny that there's a coming Antichrist, they deny that there's a coming tribulation. They say the only the only the only thing that we would agree upon is that Jesus is still yet 
in the future returning again. We would know it as his second coming. Uh, that's the, about the only thing that we would agree upon as far as major uh, prophetic passages go. But this particular gentleman was a thought leader kind of in this you know, version of this um, theological framework of partial preterism. But he had this article, and, in, and the title of the article was The Contradictions in the Bible. And I read through this article, and the entirety of this article was presenting the case of why you can't just simply go with the word alone because the Bible is full of contradictions. And so he was just saying, look, this is just the tension that we wrestle with that, you know, one truth contradicts another, supersedes another. A lot of their um, theology is, is based on uh, a supersession of concept anyways. But the point is people have this idea that I have to rely upon some spiritual thing. Now, they would say Holy Spirit, but they would deny maybe that there is a harmony of thought in the written word because it's full of contradictions. Uh, so therefore, we place much emphasis on spirit, okay? Hallelujah for the Holy Spirit. Praise God for Holy Spirit. But there's other spirits that can creep in there as well. And if you don't have the framework of the Bible, if you diminish the Bible as written, if you diminish the authority or the harmony or the continuity of thought within the Bible, then something spiritual is going to seem so true to you um, and it's going to be so convincing to you that you're going to drift off into error. And uh, this this, this this gentleman, bless his heart, probably loves the Lord, but I just totally reject the concept that the Bible is full of contradictions and that there is no harmony of thought. That's where we get all these crazy ideas, these concepts. This is how people get way over here into spiritual things. Listen, we're spiritual folk, all right? Um, we are totally spiritual folk. Uh, I, and, and I'm talking about even our ministry or my personal ministry. Uh, there is a some somebody that came to our church once, and they said, your entire ministry is a prophet's chamber. Listen, we move in the things of the Spirit, but we are firmly grounded in the Word as well. It's not either or. Come on, it's both. we got to be strong in the Word, strong in the Spirit. Listen, the further you go into the Spirit, the stronger you have to be on the Word. Uh, I have a friend. Uh, you can look up a story. His name's Dean Braxton. Uh, he has a one of the most well-documented stories about being dead for an hour and 45 minutes. Look them up. I mean, there's interviews. There's a, uh, they did a, uh, a, uh, like a 25 minute show on him or whatever. I mean, look him up. Dean Braxton. He was dead for an hour and 45 minutes. Well, his story is he went, he went to heaven and people say, well, did you really go to heaven? He, he said, well, where are, you know, believers supposed to go when they die. <laughs> where, where are you supposed to go? If you know Jesus, where are you supposed to go when you die? He was dead for an hour and 45 minutes. Where is he, where is he supposed to go? Anyways, he saw all these things. I mean, he claims to have seen all these things. Uh, and, you know, he saw this, he saw that, he experienced this, he experienced that. And this is what he says. He said, 99% of everything that I believe that I experienced when I was in heaven, he said, I can find it in the Bible. He said, now, I believe 100% of it is in the Bible. I just haven't found everything yet. Listen, 99% of everything he experienced, 
uh, is in the Bible. So listen, friends, if you have major, uh, maybe even spectacular, maybe even dramatic spiritual encounters, I even go as far to say people that have seen Sasquatch or Bigfoot, I, I, don't, I don't even argue with them. Now, I don't believe that it's a created animal that looks like Bigfoot. I think it's a demon, a demon spirit that's taken on the form of this animal-like creature and has appeared to people. Like, we, I mean, people say, oh, I've seen aliens. Yeah, you probably have. Now, I don't believe that God created these traditional little green or little gray, gray guys. I think it's demon spirits that shapeshift and entertain people. The Bible even tells us, be aware, because you may even entertain angels unaware, meaning there are spiritual encounters that you and I have, and we may not even realize we're having a spiritual encounter with, say, a heavenly angel. But if that's possible, friends, I'm telling you, it is more than possible. And I'm telling you, it's happening now on such a large scale uh, that people are having encounters with demon spirits on the regular. And they're getting information. They're getting insight. But you and I have to be aware. You know, uh, you know, whoever has a YouTube channel, even if they say, I love Jesus, you know, they say, this is uh, information from heaven. Listen, you have to check that. You have to check that. You don't know where they got that quote-unquote wisdom. Remember, James 3 is a test of where somebody got this quote-unquote uh, information. Information's coming, even otherworldly. Uh, I'm sure demons love it. I mean, I'm sure they absolutely love it. If they're capable of love, uh, they lust it. That's what they do. They lust over the fact that they entertain these humans. They get them wrapped up in their imaginations. They get them uh, drawn off into spiritual places and just fill their minds with all kinds of things, about all kinds of stuff. I mean, there are demons that have information about everything. Everything, everything. Pick a topic, and a demon will entertain you over the topic. Our objective, though, is the word of the Lord. He knows what our attention needs to be on. we got to be watchful, friends. We're not drawn off into these fables. We're not drawn off into these endless endless trails of just nothingness demons entertaining people all the time all right look look at this let's go to jude one and we could got a little bit of time left here i at least want to touch on this jude one beware the creeping we stay with the word friends the word is profitable there's an agency in that word it's going to help keep you grounded help keep you safe but you also you're going to have to be willing to just give up some stuff kind of like Solomon did. He said, I saw everything. I tasted everything. I tried everything. You know, he had all these experiences, all these encounters. I mean, he had it all. He had it all, friends. And he said, you know what? At the end of the day, all of this is vanity. And it, again, a lot of moderns, they're like, well, that's, he's so negative. We don't, I don't like Ecclesiastes. I don't like to read Ecclesiastes. It's so negative. No, no, no. Listen, there's a lot of wisdom in that, friend. It's going to keep you grounded, keeping the main thing, the main thing, where you're not drawn off, drawn off, drawn off. Got to see this. Got to go there. Got to have that. Got to you know do this. Got to you know I got to wear this. Got to taste that. Got to try that. Got to you know this was getting people off in the weird stuff. I got to feel that. I got to experience that. Does it feel good? Does it taste good? Listen, lust, lust, lust is the bait, friends. It's going to get you drawn off in the, in the stuff. 
get your attention on things you don't need to have your uh, attention on. People, their minds are full of useless information. Lust, 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 pride, pride, lust, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. It's, it's, a, it's part of the temptation, the lure, the bait Antichrist uses to get people off into unnecessary things. All right, let's go to Jude. Jude is one chapter, and he says, he starts out, he's saying, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to those who are called. So we know right here he's writing, he's writing to the born-again believer, to those who are called, sanctified by God, preserved in Jesus Christ. So again, he's writing to the ecclesia or the born-again believer, the ecclesia, those who have been part of the inheritance, Christ's inheritance from the nations. Go down here to verse 3. He said, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to all the saints. Um, Now, I'm saying, this is my thought, but I'm saying kind of in essence, that's the point in what I'm doing in these last couple podcasts and some other things that I've done recently locally in our church is we're just writing, reminding. You know, I'm just ministering to you. I'm just reminding you. Contend for that faith. Contend for that doctrine that was delivered to you. Contend for that pure word of the Lord that has come to you. Contend for that. Um, there's enemies against that. Mark 4, remember that? We found out that whenever the word is sown, there's an enemy. He's going to try and come and what? Snatch that word out of your heart. There's so many ways he can snatch that word out of your heart. And based on what we've just been saying, one of the ways is to draw your attention off into a bunch of nothingness, randomness. It, it, it could be wisdom, but is it necessary? Know where the wisdom is coming from, either earthly, sensual, demonic, that's James 3, or from above. All right? So he's saying contend for that faith. Watch, beware the creeping. Contend for the faith. He said, verse 4, for certain men, this is where I got that, the idea for the title, for certain men have what? Crept in. And it goes on to say unnoticed. Are you kidding me? They've crept in unnoticed? Wow. You talk about deception right there. Something sneaking in uh, uh, and trying not to alert you. That's, that's deceptive, friends. That is deception. All right, I'm going to read it, verse 4 from the Amplified Classic. For certain men have crept in stealthily, gaining entrance secretly by a side door. Remember John 10, 1. He said if anybody comes in uh, any other way other than through the door, the front door, he said that same one is a thief and a robber. Jesus is the door, he said, John, what, 10, 7 and 10, 9. He's the door. Listen, any other teaching revelation, whatever, even if some being from another world appears to you. No, I don't think you're crazy, but you could be driven, quote, out of your mind if you allow these seducing spirits to take advantage of you. Uh, What do you do if you have a, quote, unquote, spiritual encounter? Now, the world, listen, the world knows very well, and this is what's so devilish of them, all right? The world knows very well the reality of spiritual encounter. 
I'm telling you, there's a vast many people in Hollywood that are having spiritual encounters all the time. That's how they're getting ideas for their movies, their books, their whatever. These famous musicians and stuff are having encounters all the time. That's how they're getting melodies, songs, lyrics. That's how they're getting inspiration for videos, music videos, etc. Listen, they talk about that all the time. Now, listen, the moment that somebody from the outside, though, says, hey, I had an, an encounter, dude, they'll, they'll turn on them, in, in particularly, uh, for example, in the way I'm communicating. I am totally substantiating the reality of spiritual encounter, but I'm saying some are demons, some are heavenly. You have to know the difference between the two because some demonic ones come to you and they're friendly. They look cuddly. They look like your kid's teddy bear or dolls or whatever. They take on forms. You know, they can look like uh, Bigfoot. They can look like aliens. But but when we communicate like this and say, be warned about these things, that spiritual realm is, is real. Then out here in the world where they, f- they know full well and accept spiritual encounter as reality, they'll say something to somebody like like me who's warning and cautioning on these experiences. Like, oh, 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 what? No, 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 no. Those people are crazy. Those, oh, you have encounters? You're crazy, crazy. And they know full well they're going to go home later and have an encounter with a dead ancestor or, you know, they're going to conjure up, you know, grandma from 20 years ago. Listen, all those like ancestral things, those are demons. Those are demons. Those aren't your dead whatever's coming back and giving you wisdom from another world. Those are demons that look just like them, familiar spirits that take on the form of grandma or whatever, and they're deceiving you. They're, they, they lust over this kind of stuff. They just play with you is what they do. You're, you're like their pets, okay? And this is what I'm saying. When we, when we talk like this, though, the people that have these encounters all the time will come back and say, no, 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 these are crazy folks. You know, they, they used to put these people in a, in a sane, uh, uh, a sane asylums uh, because these people were having encounters with voices and having voices. You know, they, there was this phrase called schizophrenia. Tourette's, okay, I'm just telling you right now, Tourette's is a familiar spirit. It is a spirit of affliction. Um, it, but they, they would throw these people in these insane asylums, and the reality is these people were plagued with demonic encounters. Now, maybe we didn't have the un- understanding of how to deal with these things or just the world didn't want to deal with it. But I'm saying the reality is this, this loss of mind, like somebody when, when they go crazy, it's the result of such intense mental assault from these demonic beings that it drives people to what you and I would classically call um, insanity. But the moment that they could be delivered from these demonic encounters, this oppression, maybe even demonic possession, uh, they would have their mind restored. They would be back in their right mind. This is why I'm saying some people uh, are very highly functioning people, but they're having the same or much more intense encounters with demon spirits. For example, like the guy that I just mentioned that had quote-unquote intel about the United States, this guy is an example of an extremely high-functioning human being 
that has regular encounters with demons all the time. Now, in the day that you and I are living in, this is just becoming more and more and more and more culturally the norm. These aren't, uh, these people don't have the traditional insanity, you know, type. Uh, what's the word here? They don't put off that kind of aura like maybe classically you and I are thinking of, but because th- they're, they're, they're high functioning people that have spiritual encounters. I mean, just look at what's happening now. I, I, I you know, I, I mean, I would name names, but then I'd get 50 people send, send me an email mad at me because I mentioned names or something. But l- listen, it's going on out here. These people are having encounters all the, all the time. There's this, uh, there's a wisdom that they know they can get uh, by accessing these spiritual things. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's 100%, but I'm saying it's a vast majority of people. Like spiritual encounters have been normalized is what I'm saying. And, uh, it's, and you and I have to be aware of that creep is what I'm saying. Spiritual encounters are being normalized, even, even good ones. Uh, there's an increase in the understanding of that spiritual realm. This is why you and I have to be watchful of doctrinal creep because there is the reality of an increase of spiritual experiences. You know, and, you know, I use like Hollywood or secular world, but even in the church. And we're talking about people that aren't trying to be bad. They're not malicious. But if they're not testing spirits, if they're not testing these uh, prophetic words, you know, if they're not testing, if they're not using the scriptures, okay, the written word as a basis for navigating what we think is truth, what we feel is truth, what I dreamed was truth, what I thought I heard was truth, you know, well, you know, hey, pastor, you know, I believe that came out of my spirit. Okay. I mean, sure, I believe you, but it will pass the test. If it's true, it'll pass the test. Run it through the test. What about so-and-so on YouTube? Run it through the test. What about so-and-so? They're, you know, a scientist. Run it through the test. What about so-and-so? Just test it. Test it. Before we would uh, build our life on it or adjust our life, especially on anything new, we just test it. We just test it. Uh, run it through the test. All right, let, let me get back to this thought. So Jude, he says certain men has crept in. Now in the Amplified, verse 4, it says, these men have crept in stealthily, gaining entrance secretly by a side door. They didn't come in through the front door of the word. Okay, They didn't come in through the front door of the word. The word is the front door. All right, They came in through a side door. False whatever's always come in through a side door. They never come in through the front door. It's always a side door. And he said this was predicted. Their doom was predicted a long time ago. Ungodly, the, the Amplified, says impious, profane persons, watch this, who pervert the grace of our God. Notice they pervert it into what? Uh, the Let me see here. Is it the King James? Let's see. I've got the King James here. Um yeah, the New King James, as as this thought, they pervert grace into lewdness. Amplified says lawlessness, wantonness, and 
immorality, and they disown and even deny, ultimately, they don't do this at first, but ultimately, they would deny the sole master and Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, I wanted to bring this thought out here because this is of importance. Okay, this is part of the creep. This is part of the drift. And you and I are living into this right now. Uh, it's just part of what's happening. Uh, we don't even have to say names. Uh, people get uh, you know, all upset over that. Okay, fine. Um, you know, especially if I name the name of somebody that you're emotionally connected with, that makes it even worse. But we have to be aware of these things. We're not trying to be critical. Uh, and this is why, as a practice, I don't say names. Okay. But uh, you'll know them by their fruits, what I'm saying. And we're not saying that everybody that makes a mistake, like this word lewdness. Okay. Lewdness literally means sexual behavior. Now, it, it has a broader functioning outworking. But lewdness or lawlessness, it includes, in a large degree, it includes sexual deviancy of some form. Uh, obviously, it would include maybe the ultimate, okay, whatever you're thinking is like, whoa, you know, that's deviant. Okay, it probably includes that, but it also includes just the drift, okay? And what I mean by drift is that uh, people's, moral standards when it comes to the relationship between like them and their uh, spouse, okay? One man, one woman. So the man may drift a little bit in, in, in what he deems, you, you know, um, approved when it comes to uh, sexual things, consecration of the mind, okay? Or maybe it's the wife, whatever, whoever. This This is so interesting here. Because, again, lust of the flesh, it, it doesn't, you know, like that phrase in 1 John, it doesn't explicitly mean sexual things. It can include that. Most definitely can. Lust of the flesh most definitely can include sexual things. It's not explicitly sexual, but it can include that. It's just whatever the flesh craves. It could be food. Listen, people are drifting when it comes to uh, things that deal with food, like do a word study on gluttony. Okay. People are drifting there. Uh, it's why it's the lust of the flesh, same principle drift as it would include sexual things because the body feels good. You can eat certain foods. We just came, came through Christmas. I mean, we got loaded up with all this stuff, you know, and like if normally if you don't eat certain kinds of food and then you try one again, like I'll just tell on myself here, somebody gave us some Chex Mix. And, you know, I remember eating Chex Mix as a kid. Well, I, we don't, as a general rule, we just don't eat Chex Mix for whatever reason. Well, we got some Chex Mix and uh, I was sorting through some of the gifts that, that we got. I was, I was like, oh, hey, Chex Mix, great. So I got in there and I'm telling you, woo, I don't know what it was, but I'm telling you, there was an explosion of this euphoria. I'm telling you, I was like, Chex Mix, what have I been missing? And you know what? I almost ate that entire bag in one sitting, and I'm sitting there going to myself, what in the world just happened? That's what I'm talking about, is the flesh can suddenly go, whoa, that is amazing. And if you're not watchful, like me, you can sit there and you can divulge in something beyond appropriate boundaries. In fact, 
this word lewdness or lawlessness that like the Amplified and other translations say is actually warning of that very thing there. There are some things that are appropriate to a degree, anything outside of that, and now you start getting into lawlessness. This is why we monitor lust of the flesh. Listen, you have a body. You're not getting rid rid of it. It's got cravings. But if you allow those cravings to have a preeminent place, whether it concerns food, sexual things, activities, hobbies, habits, whatever, 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 whatever. We learn from Jesus a restrained lifestyle. And in fact, Corinthians, uh, Paul dealt with that because here's, here's what the Corinthians said. They asked Paul a question. They said, everything is permissible. He said, no, it's not. He said, first of all, your body doesn't belong to you. Okay. How would your spouse feel if you had that idea? Hey, look, listen, listen, babe, listen, honey, sugar cakes, whatever. Uh, I can do whatever I want because this is my body. And she'll say, or he'll say, no, 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 uh-uh. no, no, no. That body belongs to me. We are one. You can't just hook up with whoever you want. This is what the Corinthians were saying here. When they were asking Paul this question, they were like, hey, it, it, it's appropriate, right? That everything's permissible because we're born again. And he said, no, 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 <laughs> no. He said, that's a cultural theme in your day right now. And he corrects it by saying this, number one, your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Holy Spirit. So first of all, you can't do whatever you want without checking in with Holy Ghost. Okay. I mean, is that, is that right? This is first Corinthians six. He says in verse 20, he said, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own. Now here's what they were asking. Now, I'm going to wrap it up here because this is what I'm saying. People have crept in, and if you're not watchful of the lure, the temptation, you'll creep or you'll drift, and you may not even know it. Uh, The only way you would know it is by staying in the Word because the Word, the Bible says the Word is the only thing that can cut between that which is soul and that which is spirit. You say, "How, how am I going to know if I'm drifting? The word has an agency, and it's going to cut you uh, in a good way. It's going to divide. It's going to reveal to you, no, hey, listen, that's of the soul. That's of the flesh. You need to get back over here. But here's what they said. They said all things are permissible, right? No, no, no. We're warned. I don't know how many times we're warned throughout the New Testament. Listen, these people have crept in, and they're perverting things. In particularly, they're perverting grace, and they're saying because of grace, there's exceptions or these are permissible, in particularly sexual things. This is addressed here. They said, hey, we can eat whatever because the stomach was made for food, right? This was their pervasive thinking. They said, hey, if I can eat it, if I can get it in my mouth and get it down in my stomach and I don't throw it up, then it's permissible, right? If my body doesn't reject it, it must be permissible. This was their thinking. And Paul says, no, that's not true. Uh, In fact, if you read that, several translations he, he actually, it, 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 it says this, you said all things are permissible. I could eat whatever. No. Then the second thing that, 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 that they said this is, hey, if it feels good, right? We have these parts of our being that are sexual in nature. 
right? Our genitals say. If it's pleasurable, it must be permissive. Notice the drift in thought. Now, praise God, they asked this question. Praise God that the Corinthians church sought to get clarity on it before they just dove off into this perversion. But Paul said, no, that's not right. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's permissible. And just because you don't throw it up doesn't mean you should eat it. And he brings it back to it's because you're born again. This earth is not your home. Uh, now, he doesn't say this, but I'm saying that, hey, you know, look, remember what Solomon said. Like, he realized all this stuff. At, at one point, none of this stuff is going to be here. So we're admonished to watch out against the spirit of Antichrist because the spirit of Antichrist will draw your attention to all these things that are earthly, sensual. Doesn't mean sexual. It obviously includes that, but so sensual. Hey, feels good, right? Tastes good, right? You're not throwing it up. Eat it, eat it, have, have more. You know, people are having sex with everything that moves. Hey, it feels good, right? Uh, it, it must be permissible. You know, hey, you know what? If, if you're not reacting, you know, then it, it's okay. No, no, this is a pervasive thought. It's a twisting. It's a creeping. Listen, friends, beware the creeping. You say, well, oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not out here being sexually immoral. Well, listen, there are people left and right. I didn't get to it, but let me give you this here. I had several of these. Let me give you one. Um, we're warned about those who use their position to abuse other people, even sexually. Now you say, well, you know, what about these guys that are, you know, praying on children or women that are praying on children or, or men that are praying on men or women that are praying on Women, this this is a part of the drift. You understand? I'm just giving you something here. This isn't the end all, but I'm giving you something that you can use. Notice the creeping and the drift. You're seeing it right now in plain sight. Uh, the Bible talks about Second Peter two that some of these men they follow their sensuality. Okay, that now uh, in other places it's that it's that same concept of words of lewdness. They're lewd. They have no boundary. They have no barrier. They, they have not honored boundaries, barriers. They've not honored parameters. And so they're just following their sensuality and praying on. The Bible specifically uh, says praying on women, but you and I know today there's no boundaries even there. I mean, they're praying on children. They're praying on men. The abuser would use his position of leadership. We're talking about the false, to take advantage of other people. Usually he takes advantage of them to feed his sexual lust or to feed his craving for power or authority in people's lives. Both Peter and Jude were aware of the abuser's uh, ways. Second Peter 2.2 2 says, Many follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. Then again, I read Judy said certain men crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation, ungodly men who pervert the grace of God into sensuality, one translation says. The abuser claims that he's just tending to the sheep or to the souls of people, but his true interest is ravishing bodies or taking advantage. Uh, you know, you see, you have seen, you know, hopefully we see less and less of this, but reality is it's pervasive, but you see certain men, uh, 
who abuse their positions uh, and feed their own lusts, whether it's material things, whether it's cravings, diets, uh, fetishes, whatever, in the name of the Lord. This is the creep, the creeping that we're talking about. Now, we're not just pointing fingers and saying, uh, you know, like leaders, obviously, that's where the most advantage is being taken. But I'm talking about you individually, you individually. Are you creeping into these same things? It's the same lures, friends. It's the same temptations. There's nothing new under the sun. The same bait and lure that would lure a leader or a, a minister or a politician or a mayor or whoever, the same temptation is trying to get you off into the same trash and garbage as well. The abuser claims that he's tending souls, but his true interest is ravishing. He works his way, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, into gullible people's homes. Listen, you YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, all these various, these are ways that um, they're access points, potentially. There's lots of good out there. What, I, what I'm saying is we're just monitoring. These are ways that people can get into gullible people's homes. You say, well, you know, nobody knocked on my door and just came in. Uh, they came in through YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. They came in through Netflix. They came in through Prime TV. They came in through the Disney Channel. They came in through whatever. You know, and people are inviting these lewd people into their homes all the time. Just not through the front door, maybe. Through some other way, a side door. This is what he's saying here. They claim that they're just watching out for you, but actually they're just trying to increase their viewer count because they get paid for every view they get. That brings me to another thought, but you have to watch out for those that are constantly in a state of controversy because it's just driving traffic. Okay, Some people they really don't even care. It's just controversy drives traffic. Okay, that, that's, you got to be aware of that. People love that kind of stuff. So the abuser, they work their way into people's homes, gullible people's homes, uh, and even try and work themselves into these gullible people's beds. When this abuser, could be a man or a woman, isn't pursuing explicit sexual desires, they may be domineering people to gain power or prestige or fame, abusing people along their way or their path to prominence. He, they, she, whoever does this in the name of ministry. That's, that's the ultimate sad, sad state here. With the claim of God's anointing, they unapologetically use and abuse others to feed their own lust. And this doesn't happen just in big places. I mean, you can have a group of 10 people and have an abuser right in the middle of them. You, know, you can see this on larger scales as well. I'm going to close with that but I, because I think it gave you enough to consider here to just beware the creeping friends. We're just monitoring ourselves. I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody else, but you know these are things that I have to monitor in my own self. If I don't check myself, then I'll start craving things. More of this, more of that. You know, I want more of this. You know, I want this or that. You know, or you know, especially if you're in the ministry, say, or you're a part of a good local church, you can start looking out over at 
other grasses, right? And go, well, the grass is greener over there, you know, or, you know, if I wasn't here, you know, I could be out seeing the world. I could start, you know, I could do all this other thing. You know, I could be appreciated over there. Listen, just watch the creeping, friends. Watch the creeping. Creeping away from a thriving relationship with Jesus. Come on. Relationship with that word. Relationship with the Holy Spirit. And relationship with the Heavenly Father. Beware the creeping, my friends. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining me today. The very last podcast of the year. We're going to head on in 2023. It's going to be grand. I hope you stay with us. I hope you uh, are able to join us again in our adventure. I think we're going to, uh, that'd be our, what, season four coming up here. Season four of the podcast. We have at least 52 opportunities to present the truth in 2023. <laughs> Hallelujah through the podcast platform. And we're honored to do it. Hey, with that being said, I want to I want to thank you. If you prayed with us, prayed for us, believed in us, if you financially supported us in any way, I want to say thank you. You helped us get further into God's plan. Uh, it's been a real privilege and an honor to serve you in this capacity, friends. And I look forward to doing it. Again, if you'd like to participate, here's what I ask is that you would at least pray for us. Would you commit to pray for the podcast in 20? 23, I thank you in advance. It makes, according to James 5.16, it's going to make tremendous power available. Hallelujah. Well, this has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, my friends, be blessed.